Likute Sichos, Chelik Yud Aleph, that's uh, volume 11, second Sicha for Parshas Ve'era. This Sicha is a Rashi Sicha, and the truth is that this Sicha is actually on two Rashis combined. Two Rashis on, on Pasik Yud Zayin, Pasik 17, verse 17, in chapter 8. The first Iver Maschel is Mashliach Bicha, and the second one is Es Ha'orev. This actually is a very, very long Sicha, uh, 11 Oasis, 11 chapters, and we're going to focus in primarily on the second Rashi, uh, beginning with Ois Gimel, with chapter 3. We're going to find out in the course of the Sicha, amazingly, exactly what happened by the Makkah of Orev, by the Makkah of the mixed animals, the assortment of animals, and also what its purpose was exactly, according to Pshuti Shamikra. And also, very interestingly, the difference between this Makkah and the previous Makkahs. And at the end, the Rebbe concludes with an amazing Ha'ira'ah, an amazing directive for us in our times as we are living now. It would be worthwhile to actually learn the Rashi, understand what Rashi says. I'll go through it briefly. Rashi tells us, Es Ha'orif, that's a Dibur HaMaskel, the Herik. And he says, Kol Minichai Yisrois, it was, a, it was all sorts of harmful wild beasts. And, Unechoshim Vakrabim, and also snakes and scorpions, they came be irvuvia. They were all in a disordered assortment. And they were actually, they would, they, they, uh, they wreaked destruction upon the Egyptians. And then Rashi continues and he says, There is a reason for this given in the Agadic literature, meaning like in the Midrashic literature. The whole Mako Mako, in every single Mako, there's a reason why Hashem did it. And he says that when it comes to the um, tactics of war, so usually when you lay siege on a city, what you do first is you cut off the water supply, you ruin their streams of water, then you, um, uh, you sound horns and shoifers in order to scare them, in order to confuse them. And then, that, and that we see, he says, by the Tzfardim, by the Makas Tzfardeya, when they were all mekarkerin vehoimim, they were all croaking and making noise, and then he concludes like it's brought down in Medrash Rabbi Tanchuma. So now the Rebbe is going to ask a whole list of questions, which actually, as we go through the questions, you will see something amazing. That a good question also gives you a half answer. It gives you insight into really what's going on. In other words, an educated question actually gives us the true perspective of what's going on. So the question number one, the Rebbe says, look, the Rashi himself says that his source is in the Medrash. His source for what happened at Makas Arav is in the Medrash. However, if you look in the Medrash, there's actually two opinions. One opinion says that the wild animals consisted of bears, lions, and leopards. Another measure says it was actually hornets and mosquitoes that really, really made them miserable. Rashi just says it was wild animals, and he adds snakes and scorpions. So the question, the, 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 the obvious understanding 
why Rashi chose not to learn the opinion that it was hornets and, and mosquitoes, that we can understand based on a Rashi already where he says by the Maka of Tzvardeya, why over there it says that they died, versus by the Maka of Orev, it doesn't say that they died, it just says that they went away, they disappeared. Why is that? Because by Tzvardeya, when they died, it actually left a nuisance even after the Maka itself. So many th- hundreds of thousands of dead frogs created a big stink and a big discomfort for the Egyptians way after the Maka was over. Whereas by the wild animals, Rashi says, maintains, that if they would have just died, then the Mitzrayim would have benefited from it, the fact that they would have been able to skin the animals and use that for their gain, for their purpose. And therefore that didn't happen. So we see that according to Pshuti Shemikra, according to what Rashi learns, it was certainly animals, not just, you know, bugs and, and hornets and things that would have left a nuisance behind. But the question still remains, why does he choose, why does he prefer to add that there were snakes and scorpions? It would seem, L'cha'ida, that when you say wild beasts, wild animals, that also includes snakes and scorpions. And if it doesn't, included in the obvious sense, then where does Rashi get it from? How does Rashi know, according to Pshut Mikra, that one has to say that there were snakes and scorpions? So that's the first question. The second question is, in this Rashi, Rashi sets out to explain why, in other words, the idea behind the makas, why Hashem chose these makas. L'cha'ira, if we needed to understand why Hashem chose these makas, Dam, Tzvardeya, Kinim, and then Arev, why did he wait for now? In other words, why suddenly is there a question as to why Hashem chose these makas, what these are all about? Now, there actually are some Mepharshim that try to answer this question by saying that till now there was no real question. Why? Because Rashi himself told us by Dam and Tzvardeya, that the reasons for those makas, according to Pshuti Shemikra, is because Hashem was afflicting their Avoidazod. Hashem was trying to show them that their Avoidazod is worthless. And therefore, he gave the he made the makah, he made the plague on the Nilus that was their Avoidazod. And then later by Kinim, that was also with the purpose of proving to them, as again, as the Khatumim Mitzrayim, the sorcerers of Egypt themselves exclaimed, this is a finger, this is a hand of God. But that, and that's why some of these Mepharshim explain, till now Rashi had no absolute need to explain these, these, um, these makas. Only by Arav, that's where the question arises, and that's why Rashi brings the Medrish explaining the tactics of war, quote-unquote, the reason for all these makas. But the Rebbe doesn't really accept this explanation. Why not? Because if you look into Rashi, Rashi doesn't end up explaining why Arif. He only explains why Dam and Svardeya, but not, not Arif. He kind of stops in the middle, number one. Number two, did Rashi not himself explain the reason for Dam and Svardeya, as we just mentioned, and for Kinim? And here he seems to retract that. He seems to change it. Why? Why suddenly? Why would he change it? What is the reason? And, 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 um, and another question that can be asked in this, why is it that Rashi points out that this explanation is from the Agoda, is like from Medrash? 
In other words, Rashi himself is telling us, listen here, before I give you the explanation, before I, I, I explain this idea of why Hashem gave the Makkah in this order and how we come to Arayv, I'm going to tell you that this is not really consistent with Pshut Mikra. This is something that, uh, that, that is beyond Pshut Mikra. It would seem that this makes sense according to Pshut Mikra. The tactics of war, first you scare them, first you cut off the water supply, and then you send in the troops, so to speak, to go in, uh, and do the job and kill them. Why is it that Rashi has to make this, 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 um, this statement prior to his explaining it, that he is going to tell us something from Medrash. Another question, if you look closely to Rashi, Rashi brings this marshal, he brings this parable of how we do tactics of war when you lay siege on a city, and he tells us about cutting off the water supplies without quantifying it, without telling us, and this is what happened by Dom. But when it comes to the Tzvardeya, when it comes to the frogs, to the Maka of Tzvardeya, there Rashi also gives us not only the Mashal, but also the Nimshal. He also explains that the Tzvardeya made a lot of noises. They croaked and they scared them and they disturbed them. And that's where he leaves off. Why is it that by this Maka, in order to enhance his pirush, Rashi felt it necessary to um, specify this. In other words, this obviously points to the fact that this is a crucial point in Rashi's explanation. And then the final question is, why does Rashi end off with the words, why does he conclude with the words, ki the isa like it says in Medrash Tanchuma? So the Rebbe says, here's the explanation we'll get a good perspective of what really was bothersome to Rashi and why Rashi explains what he explains and we'll get a true understanding of what took place over here, what happened according to Rashi in Shutish Mikra. In general, when you look at each and every Makkah, whether it was in the warning stage or in the actual delivery of the Makkah, the Torah tells us exactly what that Makkah was going to do, what its purpose was, okay, what effect it will have. However, when it comes to the Arayv, when it comes to the, to the assortment of animals, it, the Torah doesn't really say that. The Torah just tells us that Hashem said, I'm going to send, I'm going to afflict you with wild animals, and they're going to be in your homes and in the land that you are on it. And I am going to distinguish the Yidin that over there there will not be any, any wild animals. So it comes out from this that if you if you really want to pinpoint what this Makkah was all about, because Hashem made the statement what it's all about, it's all about the assortment, the disorderly assortment of animals. That's what it seems. In other words, it seems that the purpose, not only the highlight, but the actual effect of this Makkah is the fact that there were many types of wild animals that came all together at one time. And this was the only purpose and therefore the only quote-unquote miracle, each maka was a miracle in a certain sense, that the only purpose of it and the only miracle was the fact that they came as a mixed group, as an assorted group. And this is what prompts Rashi to tell us, A, that they were actual chayos ra'os, wild beasts. You see, because if it also included behemoths, what typically would be 
this domesticated animals, that would be an added miracle. That suddenly domesticated animals came together with wild animals and affected all this destruction and all this uh, killing of the Mitzrayim, which that would need, that would require the Pasuk to actually point it out as another point, as another highlight of the Makkah. But the Pasuk does not say that. The Pasuk, as we said, only points out that there will be a mixture, an assortment of animals. Furthermore, Rashi could not accept, according to Pshuti Shamikra, that there were bears and lions and leopards because there's no uh, definitive obligatory fact according to the Pshuti Shamikra that in that time, in that part of the world, that there were bears, that there were lions, and that there were leopards. In other words, we don't know that there were according to Pshuti Shamikra. So if in fact it included those, then maybe that would also hint that there is another miracle that took place here, which again, the Torah does not in any way hint to. The Torah hints to the fact, and not only hints, but actually specifically says that there was one miracle here. And now we can understand why Rashi does add snakes and scorpions. You see, because in the Pasuk, it doesn't just say that the animals will come and be in your homes. It also says that they will be in the land in the land on which your homes, which your houses stand on. Now, I ask you, if the animals, the wild animals that came, would also be in the Adoma, in the land on which these homes stand for, that would again point out that there was another miracle. Typically, these these animals roam above land, not inland, not in the earth. So Rashi understood, according to Pshuti Shemikra, one has to learn that there were snakes and scorpions, because again, we're trying to explain this Pasuk in a manner that there was no extra added miracle above and beyond what is actually stated in the Pasuk. Snakes and scorpions, that is their place. They are usually in all the holes, in all the tunnels, in all the all the, 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 the uh, grooves that are in the ground. They usually crawl within the ground. That's their place. So Rashi understood that this also has to be included in when the Torah says that there are wild animals. And that's why he adds it to the explanation of what type of animals came. Now, as far as the rest of the story, there still remains a question. If that's the case, that there were wild animals, all kinds of wild animals, and including snakes and scorpions, what was the purpose? They all came in an assortment, in a wild assortment. What was the purpose? You see, because it can't just be for the sole fact, sole purpose, I mean, of killing the Mitzrayim. Why? Because for that it would be enough, one kind of animal. But the Torah stresses, the Torah points it out, points out, that it was an assortment of animals. That is the emphasis over here. That is the whole point of this maka, that it was an assortment of animals. What is the purpose? What is the point? That prompted Rashi to tell us, look, up until now, according to Pshuti Mikra, there was an understanding for Dam, for Tzvardeya, and for Kinnah. We understood the objective that Hashem had, what He was trying to show what, he, what the purpose of it was in terms of you know, convincing the Mitzrayim that Hashem is in charge. But when it comes to this one, what was the purpose? What is the idea? 
And that's why Rashi says we're going to have to shift to Medrash. We're going to have to go to Agada. This is not absolute Shutisha Mikra, but in order to enhance our understanding, we're going to have to go to Agada, and we're going to have to look there, where the, over there there's an idea that's introduced for the order of the Makkais, Dom, Tzvardeya, Kinim, and Rashi tells us by Tzvardeya, listen, the Tzvardeya was not just about being there and causing them discomfort, but like the Medrash says, the Medrash points out, that the main purpose of the Tzvardeya was the croaking and the noise making. That they were scaring them and causing them this tremendous grief, this tremendous discomfort with the noise that they generated, with the croaking. That, says Rashi, is the purpose of Tzvardeya, according to the Medrash. And with that, we could understand now the purpose of the Arev. It wasn't just the killing it wasn't just the pillaging that the animals did, that animals typically do. Because for that, it would have been enough. One kind of animal. One species. But that is the point. Rashi doesn't have to go into detail. We already now understand that because they came in such an assortment, all the different types of animals that make various types of noise and, and, and moaning and all kinds of crazy, scary noises, that was the highlight of this assortment. That was the purpose for why they came all together. And this, says the Rebbe, will bring us to another thing. According to what we established above, that the truth is that according to Pshutay Shalmikra, the real true reason for the first three Makis is not like it's brought down in this Rashi. Because remember, we just said Rashi emphasizes that it's actually an Agada, it's a Medrash. It's not the real Pshutish Mikra, but we have no other choice, because otherwise there's no other understanding of Arif. We'll understand another very interesting thing in, in reference to this Maka. There is a, and, and the previous Makas. There is a Machlaikas, if the first three Makas, Dom Tzvardei and Kinim, also happened to the Jewish people or not. In other words, did it also occur that it also take place in the land of Goshen where the Yidin primarily lived. According to the Evan Ezra, he says, yes, all three of them actually happened there. And it's only by this Makkah where Hashem specifically says, Vihiflesi, I'm going to distinguish between the Mitzrim and the, and the Yidin that by the Yidin there will not be any wild animals. So it's only in this one that it did not happen to the Yidin. The Radbaz actually says that it's forbidden to believe this. And he proves from the Psukim where it specifically says that the, the Mitzrayim were the ones who could not drink from the well. That implies that the Yidin could. And we all know the Midrashim, and just adding my own words, that the Yidin were able to make a lot of money to sell the water, right? Which if they sold it, it didn't, it didn't turn into blood. And with the Tzfardim again, it says specifically that they will be, quote, in your homes and in the homes of your servants. So that implies that it's not going to be in the homes of the Yidin. And then he asks about, for example, the Kinim, the lice. If it happened also to the Jews, then what purpose is it to, to give a Maka? What, what did that say to Pari? It happened to everyone. In fact, interestingly, the Rambam adds that it's only Dam and Sfardeya that did not happen in the Jewish areas. 
However, he says that Kinim actually happened because it says it was an entire land. But it's just that the Rambam says when it came to the Kinim, to the lice amongst the Jews, it didn't really bother them. In other words, it wasn't a, an affliction for them. Just for the Mitzrayim, it afflicted. But the fact that Rashi chose to tell us this interesting explanation, Dafke by Arav, to maybe perhaps we can say that in Shute Shemikra it would come out that the first three also happened in the Jewish areas. If so, how do we answer the questions of the Radbaz? How do we answer the question of then what's the purpose of the Makis if it also happened to the Jews? So the Rebbe says we could answer that because we can say, look, in fact, if the Makkah, according to Pshut Shemikra, this is, if the Makkah would have happened only, let's say, Makkah's Damans Fardaya, would have happened only to the Egyptians and only in their areas and not to the Jews, maybe that would have created an illusion in Pare's mind to say that, oh, maybe the Avaidazara, the power of the Avaidazara in the Egyptian areas, in their, in their uh, neighborhoods, is not as strong as the Avaidazara that they uh, set up that they put in the Jewish areas. And that would have been an illusion for him to say, ah, it's not such, a, it's not such an effective thing. And likewise by the Kinim, by the lice, if it would have only taken place in the Egyptian areas and not in the Jewish areas, then maybe perhaps the sorcerers of Mitzrayim, the Chatume Mitzrayim, would have not have been so impressed. And they would have said, well, maybe Moshe and Aaron have a tremendous uh, sorcery power. And they were able to affect to an extent that there should be lice in one place. In other words, they would have said, look, they have greater powers than us, but it's still not yet the hand of God. Or like they said, the finger of God. And therefore, according to Pshut Mikra, we can actually say that it would come out according to Rashi, at least the way we explained above, that maybe perhaps Dam, Tzvardeya, and Kinim actually took place even in the Jewish neighborhoods. However, when it comes to Arayv, when it comes to the assortment of animals, where there is no longer any direct purpose of affecting their Avodah number one. And number two, there's no direct purpose of showing them that it's the finger of God, the hand of God, because that's already been established. And only, the, as the Torah says, it's only to do what? To show a difference between the Yidin and the Goyim. Over there, there was no longer any need for this to happen by the Jewish people. The Rebbe says, a little more esoterically, we can understand this, that there is a, there's a, there's, there's a message over here. But Hashem, the reason why Hashem, by this Makkah, distinguished between the Yidin and the Goyim, because this Makkah was unique. What happened in this Makkah? So many different animals that typically do not live together in harmony, do not coexist. In other words, there are specific and absolute walls, boundaries between one species and another. That all came down. And suddenly they were all mixed together. They didn't harm each other. Rather, they focused their attention on the Mitzrayim. This perhaps could have given some Yidin the wrong notion that all walls are down, all boundaries are down. And it's okay to mix and to assimilate with the Mitzrayim. But the Hashem did not want him to get that wrong idea. And therefore, he specifically made it so that there should be a distinction, that there should be a difference between the Mitzrayim and the Yidin for it to be very, very clear to every single Yid 
that there is a clear distinction between a yid and a goy, lahavdil. And this brings us to an amazing and very, very practical hero, a directive for our times. The Rebbe already said this back then. This is in the 60s. Imagine how much, so, how much more so now that we live in times when all boundaries seem to, seem to collapse. There seems to be no distinction between good and bad, between one group and another, between right and wrong. Everything seems to be all mixed up. And there is an active and, and, and uh, concentrated attempt on mixing things up, on assorting things and blending everything together. This is the time that a Yid has to remember. This is when a Yid has to look in the Torah and say, look, we are different. Hashem chose us from all the nations. We are separate. We are a distinct group, different than everybody else. And not allow ourselves to blend in with them. And a beautiful thing you see, that even the Yidin that for whatever reason chose not to believe in the Geula, and they did not want to leave Egypt, even for them, this clear and obvious message that there is a difference in a Yid and a Goy, even for them it happened. That Hashem showed even you are not like a Goy and you're different. And the Rebbe concludes that when a Yid maintains this Mechitza, this separation between us and the nations of the world, then our connection, our bond with Hashem becomes even stronger, even more intensified, and that brings us to the point of being Zoycha to the Geula, the Kar of Mamish.